All right, let's turn to the Word of God, and as we continue in 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, uh, thank you, uh, Brother Sister Lee, for that good song and uh, a testimony there, Solomon Islands. I was thinking, I wonder if those people there are wise. Amen. All right, Solomon Islands. All right. Sounds like a good place to visit. All right, Sister Judy, be nice. All right, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. Try to finish this chapter up as we've been going through this epistle. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 11, down through the end of the chapter. 1 John 3, verse 11 says this, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby we perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and sheddeth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that, dwell, and he that keepeth this commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us, by the Spirit which He hath given us. Let's pray again, please. Heavenly Father, again, we come before You through the blood and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank You for these uh, songs that we've been able to sing, uh, Lord, to encourage our hearts and prepare our hearts. Lord, we thank You for uh, the Lee family and, uh, Lord, that they surrendered their life uh, to You to do Your will for their life. We ask You to bless them and meet their needs and uh, work mightily in them and through them. And Lord, I thank you for those that are faithful to be in the house of God, those that are listening uh, in this morning, dear God, that you would help us through the word of God. Lord, we thank you for uh, the testimony of the Apostle John and Lord, how you used him to write uh, these words, which we know you're the author of God, to uh, encourage us and challenge us, dear God, and help us to check up, uh, dear God, that we really have what we need to have. So, Lord, I pray you'd bless each one. Again, we think of the needs. We think of uh, Brother Wood's uh, uh, brother uh, this morning. We think of uh, Abby. Lord, we think of uh, others that are uh, sick among us, Lord, their spiritual need, physical need. And, uh, Lord, uh, uh, we think of others that have lost loved ones, uh, dear God. Lord, I think of uh, uh, my family, and no doubt uh, everybody has somebody upon their heart and their family that needs the gospel. And so, Lord, as we try to reach others, let us be mindful of our own family. And uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for um, Brother uh, uh, Muxlow, Lord, in the 90 years that you've given him. Thank you for that testimony and that he's still faithful to the things of God. So bless him and Brother Wood and others uh, on their birthday this week. Now, again, Lord, if we pray there's somebody here or listening or uh, one of the children back in the junior church, God, that's not saved, that today you would work in their heart and open their heart and draw them unto thyself, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
And so as we continue to look at this epistle, of course, uh, you should see a pattern here now that in 1 John, uh, uh, he continues to emphasize uh, 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 that she may know, that she may know over and over. And so he wants to make it clear, hey, you need to know, right? You need to get it settled. And no doubt, people need to get it settled. So this is a good epistle when you're witnessing to people. It's a good epistle for those that say, oh, you can't know uh, this side of heaven, whether you have eternal life or whether you're going. Well, this is, of course, a good epistle to uh, turn them to. And, of course, it's good for those that say you cannot know or maybe even those that don't know or even those that maybe think they know (laughs) and need to say, well, you say you're saved, but do you see these evidences? Do you see the proof in your life? Amen. Because it's making it clear. We're seeing the pattern here that if somebody's saved, there's going to be a changed life. There's going to be evidence. You know, and I think there's a lot of people out there that think they're saved because, you know, they uh, uh, said some little prayer or whatever, and uh, yet there's never been a change uh, in their life. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day, and I was talking to a, 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 a man and a woman, and the woman uh, gave a pretty clear um, uh, present uh, explanation of her salvation. I said, well, what about him? And, you know, well, he says he's done this and that. I said, well, you know, just saying a prayer isn't good enough. Amen. You got to make sure that you got it in your heart and that change has taken place. And again, that's why this is emphasized over and over in this epistle. John continues to speak again of the evidence that a change has taken place. We need to see that evidence. So again, he, as mentioned, we mentioned last week, he continues to contrast, amen, there's a difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. We talked a little bit about that last week, a child of God and a child of the devil. Notice again, verses 11, 12, for this is the message ye have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So here's what we're supposed to do. And then notice how verse 12 says, right? He, he, he gives the example of Cain and, uh, versus Abel. He said, not as Cain. <laughs> hey, he said, hey, you shouldn't be like Cain, right? It's going to say it was of that wicked one. See, he was a child of the devil. And just a side note here, he says, not as Cain. Hey, Cain's not your example. You know, uh, just as a side note here, I want to say this. You know, you need to let your kids know there are some people they don't need to be like. Amen. Uh, uh, nothing wrong with telling your kids, hey, you don't need to have that person as your hero. You know, a lot of uh, kids, they have uh, posters of uh, uh, sports people and basketball, football and all that. Hey, just because somebody can play a, 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 a sport good doesn't mean they're a good uh, example for your children or that should be your child's hero. Hey, maybe appreciate their talent. Amen. But uh, hey, uh, the way they live their life, you'd say, man, I wish they'd just stay on court. Amen. <laughs> and not go out and do anything else because that's about the only thing they do good. Everything else in their life is wicked. Hey, don't be afraid to tell your uh, children that person is not a good example for you. Well, that's what the Lord's telling us here. Hey, Cain is not a good example uh, for you uh, to follow. It says, hey, he was of the wicked one and he slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. And of course, we see that story in Genesis 4. Let me read just a few verses from Genesis 4, verses 6 through 8. You know the story, but let me read these verses to you. Genesis 4, 6 through 8 says this. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? Notice verse 7 of Genesis 4, If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, talking about his 
his brother there, and thou shalt rule over him. And then verse 8, And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Now, it's important to realize, verse 7, notice again what God says, If thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. We got to remember, God is not in the business of rejecting people. <laughs> God is not in the business of rejecting people. He's in the business of accepting people, right? Uh, 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 the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants to accept everybody. He says, listen, Cain, hey, you might have got it wrong this time. But hey, if you'll get it right, hey, I'll accept you just like I've, just like I've accepted your brother. Amen. But here's the thing. You got to do it according to my word, right? Uh, there's a way to be saved. There's a way to get right. But if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. So again, God is not in the business of rejecting people. He's in the business of accepting people. We need to let people know that. The Bible says, whosoever will may come. And Cain could have been accepted, right? But you see, he gave man a free will. And Genesis 4, 7 shows that. He said, hey, you've got a free will. You do this, you'll get accepted. You continue to do that, well, then you'll be rejected. And man has a free will. That's why I use the word, if thou doest, or if thou doest not. God gave man that free will. And he goes on to say, see, his, he hated his brother because his brother's uh, works were righteous. And then he, he uses the example of that and says in verse 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We noticed a little bit of that last week. Hey, again, don't be, don't be shocked. Again, verse 12 says, you see, uh, his works, Cain's works were evil and his brother's righteous. So what do we see here? Abel made his brother look bad. Abel made his brother feel bad. So his brother hated him because, of course, Cain was full of pride, uh, like his father, the devil. And that's why the world hates you. Listen, it's not that the world hates you as an individual. What they hate is what Jesus Christ has done in your life. They hate the change that is in your life. They hate the light that shines from your life and makes them look bad and reveals their sin. You know, uh, you know that's why the world wants to promote people that are doing evil. Because they like, everybody likes to compare themselves with somebody doing, hey, well, at least I'm not as bad as him. At least I'm not as bad as, as, as her. Well, we like, we like saying that. You know, why is it that? You know, we should be saying, well, at least I'm not as good as him, pointing to Jesus, and that's who I need to be like. But you need to realize your righteousness, the change that Christ has made in your life, right, is a reproach to a lost and dying world. It's a, it's a, 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 a reproach to that. You see, Cain, who was of the wicked one, again, a reference to being a child of the devil. And uh, he, was a, he was a child of the devil. And another example of that in the Bible is Judas. Judas never got saved. You know, some try to say he was saved and lost his salvation. Well, we know that doesn't line up with Scripture. Uh, so, uh, you know, and losing your salvation is not possible. And Acts 1.25 says this about Judas when they were looking at replacing his position. And it says they, that the person that they're looking to replace, that he may take part of his ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. <laughs> 
right? That shows that uh, uh, he, was, he was of the devil. He said, what? Jesus had a, a, a disciple. Listen, hey, there's lost people in pulpits all across this nation. There's people that are lost. And the Bible says in no place, hey, marvel not, doesn't the devil, amen, himself appear as an angel of light? Hey, listen, I know uh, we like to show the devils the guy with horns and a, a pointy tail and a pitchfork. But let me tell you, uh, uh, the, the most e- some of the most uh, evil people you'll meet will be some of the nicest people you ever, uh, you ever met, amen, that are leading you astray and leading people astray. You see, Cain is a type of false religion. Religion is about self, really. It's about wanting to do it your way. Religion is about self. It's about pride. And it's about works. That's what people say. Why do we have so many different religions? Because you have so many people that want to do it their way. So many people that are full of pride. And so many people that want to uh, 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 do something uh, to say they earn their way to heaven. Listen, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of good songs in heaven. But I guarantee you, one song that people won't be singing in heaven is, I did it my way. (laughs) That is one song that won't be sung in heaven, I did it my way. Uh, Because the people that did it their way, uh, they're going to die in their sin and go to hell. You got to do it the Lord's way. And that's what God was trying to get across to Cain. Hey, you want to be accepted? You got to do it according to scripture. Jesus provided salvation according to scripture. You have to receive salvation according to the scripture. Hebrews 11:4 says this about Abel. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You see, it takes faith by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. That goes right along with what we just read. Cain's was uh, 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 evil. Uh, um, Abel's was righteous. It obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead yet speaketh. I love that testimony. He being dead yet speaketh. You see, think about this. You got a word out there that's uh, mocking Christianity and mocking Jesus Christ and mocking uh, the word of God. But remember this, friend, when those who speak against Christianity are dead and gone, the testimony of your life will continue to speak to the power of the gospel. I love that. He that being dead, yes, speak. Boy, how many great saints do we still talk about? When we sing those songs, amen, uh, uh, those that wrote them have uh, passed on, but their life is still speaking uh, through their testimony. And what a wonderful thing that is. Let's notice verse 14, trying to hurry along. And here it is again. We know, we see that over and over. We know, we know, we know that we have passed from death unto life. It's already happened. The victory's already been won. Amen. Well, again, so we're not fighting for victory. We're living a life from victory. We have passed from death unto life. And how do we know it? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So it says we have passed. Thank God. It's a done deal. This epistle is all about assurance. How in the world uh, can you read the Word of God and think there's a way that you can lose your salvation? How can you uh, uh, read the Word of God and not just be filled with, with joy and excitement, amen, that, 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 that it's, nothing, amen, can affect your salvation? It's a dundell. You've already uh, uh, passed from death unto life. That word pass means this, the, the change of one place 
or condition to go from one place or state to another. John 5, 24 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, amen, but hath passed from death unto life. You've already, amen, crossed over. That means uh, you've already passed from spiritual life. We know we were spiritually dead, but hey, we've been getting spiritual life. We have eternal life, amen? We, we've already beat uh, a spiritual death. Uh, Revelation 20, 14 says this, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death, amen? I've been delivered from spiritual death. I already have victory over the second death. And if we're alive at his coming, amen, those that are, will avoid physical death. And amen, we don't have to worry about the sting of death, the hopelessness of death. And you could go on and on. Colossians 1, 12 through 14 puts it this way. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That word translated goes right along with the word past. Means, again, means to change a place or condition. Amen. Uh, uh, to move someone into. Amen. We've already crossed over. And of course, a good illustration of that is the story of uh, uh, Israel going through the Red Sea. Let me give you some verses about that. And think about that when they passed over. 1 Corinthians 10.1 says this. Moreover, brethren, I would that you should be should not should, should not I would not you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea Hebrews eleven twenty nine by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned and so you see Amen it, it, that's a clear picture they were standing on this side. Their enemy was right there, ready to attack him, man. God opened up the way. They passed over, and uh, the way was closed, and they, amen, they were on the side of victory. And that's what the Lord did for us, amen. We're on the other side, amen. Like the song says, I'm on the winning side, amen, already. And the evidence of that is that the love of the brethren, you know, here's the thing. We love the brethren. Now, remember this. Loving the brethren or love didn't get me across. That's not what got me across. But it's evidence I did cross. Amen. It didn't get me to the other side, but it's evidence I'm on the other side. My love, my works. Amen. That's not what got me through, but that's evidence that I got through. That is, how do I know I've crossed over? Well, because there's a love in my heart. There's things in my heart that weren't there before. It says, you see, love, there, it can't, this book contrasts love, hatred, life, death, light, darkness, saved, lost. There's no middle ground. You're on one side or the other. Hey, listen, friend, there's no middle ground. You either, you, you either have a heart of love given to you by God or you have a heart of hate. Amen. You either have a, 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 a eternal life or you're facing eternal death. You're either on the side of light or darkness. You're either saved or lost. And then when you die, you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. You see, God makes it simple. <laughs> there's a, amen. There's no middle ground. 
I know there's some that teach there's a purgatory and all that, but that's not in the Bible. There's two places, two conditions, saved or lost, two places, heaven or hell. And so thank God we're saved, and the evidence is the love of God in our heart. Hebrews 10, 24 challenges us. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Boy, that's what we're supposed to do, amen? We're supposed to be full of love, and we're supposed to encourage our others, amen, in the love of God. That word provoke literally means this, to stir up and to push each other in the direction of love. Amen. What a wonderful thought that is. And of course, Christ showed what pure and true love is by his example. Verse 16, and hereby perceive we the love of God. How do we know it? Because he laid down his life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now that word perceive means this. It means to come to know or to gain or receive knowledge by means of something. In other words, something happened that, amen, allowed you to gain that knowledge, amen, or bring you into the truth of that knowledge. And what is the event? What is the something, amen, by which we gain the knowledge? How do I know God loves me? How did I gain that knowledge? The fact that Jesus died for me. That's how I gained that knowledge. Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said this in John 10, 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Man, that's just, that's just a, you just see him standing. Listen, listen, I'm God in the flesh. Nobody can overpower me. Listen, I do this of my own accord. I have power to lay it down. I have power uh, to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And you see, that same love, amen, that took him to the cross is the same love that was shed abroad in our heart when we got saved. Romans 5, 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That word shed abroad means to be poured out or generously given. Amen. God's love is unlimited. Amen. And so listen, uh, he, 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 can, he can give all the love, amen, uh, in our hearts and there's no less, amen, at the source today. What a wonderful thought that is. And so now we have the responsibility. He gave his life to give our life in service to others. And so how do we lay down our life? Well, you know, uh, a, a, a lot, you know, he's not calling us to be a martyr. Now we should be willing to be one. You know, if, if, if one day I had to give my life to the Lord, I hope, I hope when that time comes that God would give me the grace to do that. But again, uh, that's not the main thing God's looking for. God's looking for people to live for him. Amen. He wants people to live for him more than he wants people to die for him. I mean, again, we should be willing to. But listen, uh, I'm glad I have a God that would rather me live for him uh, than uh, die for him. And how do, so how do we lay down our life? Well, by laying down ourselves or giving of ourselves. Amen. For others, giving our time, showing that we care, giving our labors, our prayers, our substance. And, you know, of course, I can't read those verses without uh, thinking of you. That's what many of you, many of you showed a good example of that. The, of course, the last few days in uh, uh, just to preparing those things to be a blessing to those, of those that would come yesterday. And uh, being a good example of that. 
And so uh, we look at verse 16, we say Christ was a good example, and that same love is in our hearts, and that same love is being shown uh, uh, to others. When you go out, when you go out and do that, I think, again, uh, Amy's been going out and giving lunches to people, and she invited that, that lady. And boy, that, that, <laughs> I, was, I had fun watching that family yesterday. Uh, uh, that She came, and, uh, and those that were with her, that was what? That was evidence of the love of Christ. And boy, and uh, uh, you think, oh, well, you know, uh, um, uh, Sister uh, Karen and those that helped her uh, uh, in, in the kitchen doing all that, you say, oh, listen, just, you know, in there, you know, putting up a few crockpots, hey, listen. I'm glad she did it because about four o'clock I was hungry yesterday. Amen. But you see, it's, it's those little things, not looking for the spotlight. Hey, just uh, showing up uh, uh, early in the morning someplace to prepare something for somebody or staying, uh, coming in late at night just to check on something or doing, doing those uh, little things. Hey, they make a difference. You may not notice when they're done, but you'd sure notice if they weren't done. Right. <laughs> Not everybody was thinking uh, um, uh, Friday about four o'clock. Oh, man, uh, uh, Sister Karen, Sister Amy, Sister Spence, they're at the church right now. But probably, probably, you probably didn't even think about it. Probably didn't even notice it. But if they wouldn't have done it, you would have noticed it about four o'clock yesterday. You see. And uh, and so that's what it's about. It's those little things. Everybody's looking for some big thing. No. Again, as I mentioned before, uh, Christ's life wasn't all about miracles, even though he did miracles. It was just about the daily faithfulness of doing his Father's will. And that's what the Christian life is. Hey, once in a while we get a miracle, amen? But really, it's just about the daily life of being a faithful servant in whatever uh, capacity that is. Verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Now, the context of this verse, of course, is fellow believers. But I just want to make a side note here. This is a verse we have to be careful with. This is a verse we have to be careful with because people take this verse and other verses like it and develop a social gospel. You know, they take a verse like this where it says, oh, man, if you see somebody have need and you don't run out there and do something, or they read over there where, where Jesus fed the 5,000, they take those things. Hey, those things are good. Hey, nothing wrong with feeding people, nothing wrong with giving people clothes and doing those things. But listen, uh, those things are secondary to our mission. Our main mission, getting out the gospel, glorifying the Lord, building God's local church. Because remember this, Matthew 26, 11, For ye have the poor always with you, but ye have me not always with you. Hey, listen, no matter what they do, there's always going to be poor. The Lord made that. You say, why? Oh, not just because there's injustices in society, because people are always going to make stupid decisions. That's why. Amen. Hey, listen, uh, you know, you see, we, we see in America, uh, not to get sidetracked, we see people every day standing on the street asking for a handout, and they're surrounded by places that said hiring. So you see, amen, uh, things like that. So the Christian's responsibility is not to eradicate poverty. Nothing wrong with, again, with trying to help people. I'm for it. But we exist, again, to get out the gospel and glorify the Lord. All right, trying to get through these verses. My little children, let us love in word, not in love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. So remember, Christianity, amen, is a matter of the heart, not the tongue. How many times we saw in this epistle, if you say, if you say, Words mean nothing before God, it's actions. So as we finish up here, loving right and doing right 
gives our heart assurance and confidence and benefits and evidence, amen, that we have passed from death unto life and we've got the real thing. Verse 19, and hereby again, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Notice that statement of the truth. John 18, 37, when Jesus was before Pilate, it says this, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. And I like this statement, Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Boy, that's another evidence that you got it. Boy, don't you love to hear his voice? Hey, you know, I'm glad when I got up this morning, <laughs> even before I got to church, I heard his voice, amen? And he spoke with me and he talks with me, amen? And tells me I'm his, his own. We hear his voice. And what does that do? What does that do? It gives us assurance in our hearts. That word assure means to pacify and, and, and give, give peace, Amen. Because I know I pass from death unto life because I see his love in me. I see the difference he's made in my life. You know what that do? Boy, that helps my heart. Boy, that gives me what I need to get through this life. Verse 20 says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Well, I'm glad I have a God. Amen. That is greater than than all things, and he's greater than my heart. When I am weak, he is strong. And God, because he indwells me, he can turn my doubt to shout, he can turn my trial to a smile, and he can use my weakness to show his greatness. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Notice again, verse 19 says this, assure our hearts before him. Verse 21, have we confidence toward God? Boy, that, what, what, a, what a wonderful thing it is with, with all the confusion going on in this world that we can sit here as the children of God and know that we've passed from death unto life and know the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. And despite all the chaos going on in the world, amen, we can sit here with the peace that comes from assurance and knowing God and confidence, amen, that we have the truth, that we have the real thing. Confidence, that means boldness. You see, the assurance of our hearts and confidence or boldness is manifest in our prayers. Verse 22 says this, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Hey, I don't know about you, but I need answered prayer in my life. Amen. And of course, we can only get, get that answered prayer. We're only assured of answered prayer for one of his children. And because you see, I know I've passed from death unto life. Because I know that his love has been shed abroad in my heart, I see the change that he's made in my life. I see the evidence of that, that I have what I need to have in my life. My heart is full of assurance. My heart is full of confidence, not in me, but what he's done in my life. And you know what that does? When I go to prayer, that gives me a boldness. That's why he says over there, come boldly before the throne of God. How can we come boldly before the throne of God? Because we know we've passed from death unto life. Because we know that his love is active in our life. Amen. We see the evidences that the Bible talks about. And because I know I have, amen, uh, uh, what he's done in my life, hey, I, I don't have to be timid when I go before the throne. 
Amen. Because I know that I am his and he is mine. So I can say like the psalmist in uh, 66, 19, but verily God hath heard me. He hath attended unto the voice of my prayer. I have that assurance. I have that confidence based on the word of God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, that's, that's a wonderful thing. When I got up this morning before I came to church and I prayed, I prayed for my family. And I, 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 I again, I called each one of your names before the Lord. And then I had several other people that I prayed for this morning. Well, it just it just felt so good as I was praying. Amen. That I could pray with assurance, that I could pray with confidence, that I could pray with love. Amen. And know that he heard those prayers and that he'll act on those prayers. Verse 22 goes on to say how? Because we keep what and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What did Jesus do? He did those things that were pleasing in his sight. Again, John 8, 29. 29 and he that has sent me is with me. The father hath not left me, for I do always those things that please him. Here again, we see that thought continued, amen, that we saw uh, at the beginning of this epistle. What's true about him is true about me. That's what we want, amen. That same love that went to Calvary, amen, that same love is true about him, it's true about me. That same love is in my heart. Hey, Jesus had assurance and confidence when he prayed to his heavenly father. Hey, what's true about him is true about me. Amen. Because he's made that change in my life. I can have that same assurance and confidence when I go to pray. What a wonderful thought that is. Hey, listen, Jesus, what did he do when he walked the earth? He did those things that were pleasing in his sight. Hey, what can I do? Hey, I was a hellbound sinner, but one day I got the real thing. That change was made in my life. And now me that was once a wicked, vile sinner, now I'm a saint. And amazingly, Somebody even like me can do those things that are well-pleasing in his sight. Boy, that's joy. That's peace. That's excitement. If you're a child of God, believe. Verse 22 says, do those things. You see, we see that wonderful thought again. Verse 23 says this, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24, let's finish up. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And that a wonderful thing, this very moment, you are in Jesus Christ. This very moment, if you're saved, Jesus Christ is in you. And hereby again, we know, no, 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 over and over throughout this epistle, what? That he abideth in us, how? By the spirit which he hath given us. Well, we know he's given us the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see, I know I'm a child of God because for 34 and a half years, I can say honestly, hey, the Lord, the Holy Spirit has led me and guided me. Romans 8, 16 says this, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, the Spirit bears witness within by what is manifested in my heart. Amen? And also, uh, so you see, the, the, when I got saved, I was made spiritually alive, and my spirit connected uh, with the Holy Spirit. And amen, they commune and give evidence that I'm a child of God. But not only the Holy Spirit that he's given me, 
but the type of spirit he has given me in the sense of, amen, uh, uh, the, the type of spirit he's given me as a Christian. You see, uh, as a Christian, I have a, hopefully I have a spirit of love. I have a spirit of compassion. I have a spirit of obedience that people can see, amen, that he has that type of spirit because of the change that Jesus Christ made in me. What a wonderful thing that is. You see, the spirit bears witness within by what is manifested in my heart, and then the spirit bears witness without by what is manifested in my life. Amen. The good works that I try to do to the honor of God. The fact that I try to love the people that God brings my way and be a witness to them. So thank God by the way of the cross, we have crossed over. Amen. And we can have that assurance. And so listen, it just seems like it keeps saying the same thing over and over in this epistle. So there must be something. Hey, listen, he says, hey, make sure you got it. Make sure you got it. Hey, listen, if you don't think you can't have it, well, this says you can. But you better make sure you have it. You better check the word of God, not just say, oh, I said some little prayer. But is that evidence in your life? Do you see the change in your life? And so, hey, if you have the assurance you've passed over, amen, if by way of the cross you've crossed over, well, thank God, let's get some others to cross over with us. Let's pray.